The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, we have something we didn't think we would have when this year got started. A playoff preview edition of Eye on the Enemy. That's right, we're getting ready for the wildcard weekend showdown between the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And joining me this week in just a couple of minutes is Trey Downey, the Bucks Nation podcast host. Of course, Bucks Nation is the SB, SB Nation Tampa Bay Buccaneers site. And so we will talk to him in just a couple of minutes as we break down all things having to do with this game on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock Eastern time. For those of you not in the Philadelphia or Tampa area, uh, it'll be the first game of the the Sunday triple header. And I'm also going to preview uh, the rest of the games coming up here this weekend, just very quickly and give you my picks on all of those. We'll take a look at the NFL playoff QB rankings and look back at the last time these two teams got together in the postseason. This is a moment that Eagles fans and Tampa fans, I'm sure, uh, remember in very different ways. So we'll do all that coming up here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But first, just a reminder, folks, to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day leading up to the game and thereafter. If the season ends on Sunday afternoon, you can just... You can stay, you know, keep coming for the uh, for the postscript as we get ready for other things. But if we somehow manage to keep this thing moving along, you're going to want to stay with Bleeding Green Nation for the latest news and updates on the Eagles as they try and make their way through this postseason tournament. And tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. And joining me to break down this weekend's big NFC wildcard playoff matchup between the number seven seed Eagles and the number two seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending world champions, is Trey Downey, Bucks Nation podcast host. You can find him on Twitter at TD Experience. Trey, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. Doing well. Glad to be here. It's good to have you. Uh, this is obviously, you know, as an Eagles fan, we were not expecting to do playoff game previews this year. I know for, I, for one, thought this as a rebuilding year likely meant that we were going to probably be looking at a five-win team or a six-win Eagles team. But uh, here we are on wildcard weekend, and the Eagles are getting ready to play the defending Super Bowl champs. Before we jump into the X's and O's and, and, the, and the matchups to watch here, let's, let's take a look at what I think is going to be a, a key thing for this game, and that's, that's the injury situation, specifically on the Tampa Bay side, because Tampa is going to be missing a few players this coming weekend that then they had when the Eagles and, and Buccaneers played earlier this season. So have you gotten any, as we're recording this on Friday afternoon, have you gotten any clarity uh, what, what the injury situation looks like for Tampa? 
So the only two players that are officially out on Sunday are going to be Cyril Grayson, who had the uh, hamstring injury, the wide receiver, uh, last weekend. Uh, And then Ronald Jones, the running back, is going to be out. Uh, Bruce Arians just spoke to the media not that long ago. He said things are looking good for both Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, which will be huge in terms of the the pass rush there. But then the guys that have been on IR and the two guys that I think are probably most important – for the Bucks to get back this weekend, uh, Leonard Fournette and Levante David, who I think is the most important for the Bucks to get back this weekend. Uh, Bruce Arian said that those guys are still a little bit questionable, and it could come down to a game time decision for both of those two, even though they both did return to practice this week. Yeah, those are the two guys that I had earmarked as well. And Fournette against the Eagles uh, back in the beginning of the season, the numbers weren't terribly efficient but he was he broke a ton of tackles in that game and and really helped convert a bunch of tough third downs for for Tampa and then Levante David obviously they would love to have him back to try and stop this Eagles running game which is the the best in the NFL what does your gut tell you about those two guys do do you think they're going to be in I would lean yes um I think that them returning to practice is is a great sign uh based on you know everything that we've seen I my guess would be if one of them plays and one of them doesn't, I think that there's a better chance of Fournette suiting up. But I think that I think that both of them will. But that that's that's just my my gut talking right there. I don't have any inside information into the injuries, but I will say, but knowing knowing those guys and especially Fournette last year and how David has been a constant for this team, if there's a chance that they can get on the field whatsoever, they'll suit up on Sunday afternoon. And I guess it would be fair to ask and fair to wonder, and you don't know the answer to this, how 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 much in game shape they would be, how many snaps they would each be able to play, whether they would have a reduced role if this is their first game back after missing a number of weeks on IR. But um, I mean, I, I can guess- I can I can go there a little bit with Fournette because yeah. when you're talking about when you're talking about a, a running back, especially the way that the Bucks have you know gone with their running backs this year Fournette might end up being on a little bit of a pitch count there but considering Ronald Jones is out who is the backup running back on this team Giovanni Bernard uh Mm -hmm. coming back that's as well that could be big Keyshawn Vaughn that's a guy who you know he's had his ups and downs but in terms of getting Fournette or Giovanni Bernard back is big not only in the running game but in the third down running back position because we've seen with Vaughn and Jones, not only is their pass catching suspect, their pass blocking and being able to protect Tom Brady is a is, is suspect. So I would expect Fournette maybe to be on a little bit of a pitch count, but that's just basically that's more based on how the Bucks, you know, use their running backs more than anything else. So before we dive into some of the individual matchups and some of the the break, you know, the um, the the main storylines in this game, I kind of want to just get a twenty thousand foot sense from you as to where the Bucks are as an organization coming into this wild card weekend when they had a little bit of controversy with Antonio Brown and and all of the stuff that went on with him and with Bruce Arians and. Um, this team is coming off a, a Super Bowl win, which I think was a surprising Super Bowl win last year, although I think most folks knew the Buccaneers would be pretty good, but um, there was a lot of questions around how effective Tom Brady would be last year. Obviously, he's answered those incredibly well. Um, 
But where are the Buccaneers? Is this a better Buccaneers team right now than the one that won the Super Bowl last year? Uh, that's that's hard to say because last year they were obviously healthier last year going into the playoffs, and they were certainly clicking on all cylinders at a higher level going into the playoffs last year. If you look, it started with that Detroit game where the offense was just absolutely dominant going down going down the stretch. They weren't losing in the past two weeks. I mean, you struggle with you struggle with the New York Jets team, and then the final score against Carolina looked great, but early on uh, that game didn't didn't look so great. I think a lot of it has to do has to do with the fact that they are a lot more banged up this year and not having Chris Godwin uh, is a big thing. But I'll say this: I mean, Mike Evans, other than probably Randy Moss, is the best wide receiver. Uh, in terms of a deep threat and outside guy that Tom Brady has ever played with, and he still has Gronk. So I think the Bucks' weapons are still probably as good as Tom Brady ever had in New England without Antonio Brown and without Chris Godwin. And I think that the Bucks are putting the the Brown thing behind them very quickly. And I, and to be honest, I think the way that Brown has acted in the aftermath and the things that he said, uh, especially in terms of how he viewed himself uh, in, right. against other people <laughs> in this Bucks locker room, I think yeah. that has made it you know, even kind of easier for the Bucks to move on from it. Even if he had friends in the locker room, if mm-hmm. you're going to come out and say, and say the stuff that he did, you're like, okay, good riddance. We're done with this guy. Let's, let's get back to another Super Bowl. And obviously having Tom Brady to keep these guys focused certainly helps with that. Well, and let's talk about Tom because everybody's afraid of Tom Brady. Um, earlier this season against Jonathan Gannon's defense, he put up 326 passing yards, a couple of touchdowns. He had a passer rating of 130. Um, we know that the receiver position is not the same as it was earlier in the season with Brown gone and with Godwin out for the season. But like you said, Mike Evans still there, still a dynamic outside threat, caught over 1,000 yards and passes. I think it's the is it the fifth straight year, all five years in the league, he's been Eight. over 1,000 years. Eight years. Goodness Eight gracious. Eight years now, yep. Wow, eight year and fourteen touchdowns also for for Mike Evans this year. So obviously Evans is going to be a big target, and and the Eagles have struggled with tight ends all season long too. And that's why I think even more than the receivers, Gronkowski could be the big difference maker. He's had a really big last couple of games. The Eagles defense has allowed the most receptions and touchdowns to opposing tight ends this year of any team in the NFL. They're twenty seventh in yards allowed. How how does Brady make this offense go? Can he can he succeed against Jonathan Gannon's defense with just feeding Mike Evans and Gronkowski all day long? I wouldn't necessarily say just feeding those guys, but I will say that I probably agree with you on in terms of Gronk. A lot of people were saying, you know, who is going to be the number two going number two wide receiver going into the playoffs because Cyril Grayson kind of you know stepped up over the past couple weeks coming up from the practice squad uh, especially in that game against the Jets and they're like okay Cyril Grayson he's going to be the number two going into the playoffs and then he gets hurt last week so now you're in a situation where the Bucks are going to line up Tyler Johnson uh maybe uh maybe a Scotty Miller who we finally got the first showing of him uh this past weekend against Carolina with that late touchdown but I think that, in all honesty, Mike Evans is your number one target and Rob Gronkowski is your number two target moving forward. You still have Cam Brait, who is who is a very reliable target, and then who knows if they're going to use O.J. Howard. I mean, O.J. Howard, if you look back at that Thursday night football game against the Eagles earlier this year, 
that was his best game he had all season long had a touch had a touchdown in that game but even with the the struggles that they've had at the wide receiver position and OJ's you know ability I question you know maybe is that something where you put OJ in the slot that you use him a little bit at wide receiver last weekend against Carolina OJ Howard played nine snaps so I think that you're in a situation where you're going to see a lot of Evans. You're going to see a lot of Gronkowski. You're probably going to see a lot of Cam Brate as well with what you said about the way that the defense uh, covers the tight ends. And I do think the Giovanni Bernard and Leonard Fournette in the passing game, uh, that'll be a big difference too. Tom Brady having those guys that are much more reliable than the guys he's had in the backfield the past couple of weeks. Le'Veon Bell has got a little bit more playing time, but if Fournette and Bernard are able to go, they're going to take away those snaps that Bell was getting. Yeah, earlier in the season, Fournette... Uh, was the guy that Brady checked down to quite often in that in that Eagles game, and he again he did a lot of damage on on third downs, and and uh, really was able to help them move the sticks a little bit. To me, one of the big the, the big individual matchup in this in this one is Darius Slay going up against Mike Evans, but um, I, I think Evans probably has a little bit of the advantage on Slay as as good a season as Slay has had this year, but. Um, if you're if you're Jonathan Gannon and you're looking you're looking to try and match up against Gronkowski and and Tom Brady I guess as a whole the idea of playing zone defense against Tom Brady scares the wits out of me because he can pick apart any zone any zone defense that's gonna, you're going to throw your way I'm thinking the Eagles probably have to go a lot of man in this game but I just I don't know if that can you line up TJ Edwards against Gronk? Can you line up uh, Alex Singleton against Gronk? Do you do you bring in uh, Avante Maddox, who's about a foot shorter than Gronkowski, and and line him up? I, that's I think Slay can kind of battle Evans and and maybe hold Evans to seventy to ninety yards receiving, and I'll take that as a win if he if he's able to if he's able to do that. But Brayton Gronkowski. Could you see New England? I mean, uh, uh, Tampa Bay going with some two tight end sets in this one as well. For sure. I mean, if you look back at, you know, Brady's, a lot of the the success that Brady had in New England, it was with two tight ends. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, the situation that they're in, I think that I'm with you that Slay and Evans can compete. Darius Slay, to me, is still one of the better corners in the NFL. But more so than what they can do in coverage, the key to slowing the Bucks down on offense is going to be them getting pressure on Tom Brady. if, If I'm an Eagles fan, I would be less less worried about the matchup in the secondary on Evans and and uh, Gronkowski and more worried about the Eagles finding a way to get to Tom Brady and rattle him a little bit. Well, let's talk about the interior of the Tampa offensive line because I think that's where the pressure has to come from. The edge rushers for Philadelphia, they can get there. I mean, they're not, they're not overwhelmingly great there's no Brandon Graham there uh Josh Sweat is probably their best edge rusher and he's missed a few practices this week with an illness so far we don't really know exactly what the illness is it doesn't sound like COVID because he hasn't been put on the COVID list as of this recording but um where the pressure is going to come from and where the Eagles have really spent a lot of money these last few off seasons is that defensive tackle with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave what does the interior of the Tampa offensive line look like? How what kind of matchup is that there between Cox and Hargrave, who ha, especially Cox has come on late here in the season to get pressure up the middle to get in Brady's face and get a hand up there and maybe force Tom into some into some mistakes? 
I mean, Ali Marpet is the is the guy at guard who has been the one of the best Bucks offensive linemen uh, linemen that they've had in recent memory. But you would say he was the best Bucks offensive lineman before last year when they got the steal of the NFL draft and drafting Tristan Wirfs, who was today mm-hmm. named first team All Pro. Yeah, he's at, amazing. At, yeah, at, <laughs> at, at right tackle. So you're looking at the interior of the line. You're looking at Marpet, who is a who is a constant, and then you're looking at Ryan Jensen at center. Alex Kappa at at the other guard. So, I mean, those guys those guys are solid, and they've done a good job of protecting Tom Brady throughout throughout the season. Honestly, Bucks fans for years and years and years have kind of questioned Donovan Smith at left tackle. That's not the interior of the offensive line, but if you had to say, you know, where's the weak weakness of the offensive line? I think you circle maybe the right guard position or you circle left tackle. I think the strengths of the Buccaneers offensive line are obviously what they have in Wirfs and what they have in Marpet. Let's flip the script and let's take a look at the Eagles offense against the Patriots defense. And obviously the Eagles, this is a completely different offense than the one the Buccaneers faced. In the first matchup earlier this year, the Eagles ran a running play to the running back one time in the first half. They were, they were not even trying to run the football. It was not even something that they wanted to, to attempt. It wasn't until after the Buccaneers game where the identity of this team shifted from trying to be a pass-heavy offense to one that really ground, ground out the yards on the ground, that was really trying to, to eat up a lot of clock and, and use all the backs and use Jalen Hurts in the running game. And They finished the year first in yards per game at 159.7 and fourth in yards per carry. And I know at the start of the season, the Bucs defense was really stout, but it fell off towards the end of the year. So how capable is the Bucs interior defense? How how capable are they going to be to stop this Eagles running game that has really just been steamrolling teams? Even some really good ones, like the Saints had the number one rush defense in the NFL when the Eagles played them. They ran for over 200 yards. How is Tampa Bay's defense going to be able to to hold up against against the run game? And can they do that if Levante David doesn't play? So the Bucks' run defense is still solid, but I do think that David is a huge key in that. And then obviously, you know, getting those guys on the edge back, your Jason Pierre-Pauls and your Shaq Barrett's to kind of contain as well in terms of a Jalen Hurts it is, a, is a very big deal. Now, I think that David is huge not only in stop in stopping Hurts, but I think that also elevates the play of a Devin White. If you right. went, you know, going into going into this season, a lot of people were trying I don't think it was necessarily a shot at Levante David, but people were saying, Oh, Devin White, he's already the best linebacker on this football team. I think that people underestimated the the importance of Levante David not just being a veteran presence but I think in the way that Devin White is able to play with him because I think as we've seen with David out I kind of posed is Devin White trying to do a little bit too much and I think that that I think that that is the case so I think having Levante back would be huge but I'm not I'm not overly worried about about it otherwise, I mean, I think that you still have a very strong interior of that defense. Vita Vea, who just signed a contract extension, you still have Indomitian Sue. Will Golston is underrated against the run as well. So I think that I think that the Bucks still have the bodies, but having Levante David back would be a huge, huge thing and up my confidence even more. But let let me ask you this: You asked me about the the Bucks <laughs> injury situation. Do we have an official yeah. word on Miles Sanders yet? 
not an official word, but I think it's trending in a positive direction. He he was limited in practice yesterday, but did not have anything on his injured hand. No brace, um, no tape, nothing like that. So uh, Nick Sirianni at his news conference on Thursday sounded optimistic that Sanders would be back. So I think like you're optimistic, Fournette and uh, and and David will play. I'm more optimistic that Sanders will play. It it looks like we'll see on Friday's practice after we're done recording this whether or not Miles Sanders was a full participant. But it's definitely trending in that direction I think he's going to play and I think he's going to start it's just an it's an interesting thing uh too with that because coming off of a hand injury you got to wonder last I checked the forecast was calling for uh some rain showers in Tampa Bay on Sunday afternoon so you got to wonder obviously Miles Sanders the best running back on on the Eagles roster but coming back from a hand injury maybe you got to wonder a little bit about be gripping the football in a situation where it could be uh a wet day in Tampa. Well, and that's a weakness weakness of his even when his hand is healthy. He's a guy yeah. who can put the ball on the ground a little bit. He has some fumbling issues. So uh, certainly that you're right. That is something to watch when the weather gets a little bit sloppy. And talking about the weather a little bit and, and morphing this into Jalen Hurts, I know the conventional wisdom out there is that if it's a slog fest, if there's a lot of rain, if it's kind of uh, a, a dreary day out there, that it favors a team like the Eagles who want to keep the ball on the ground. But, you know, these games, these playoff games are often almost all the time won by the quarterback and Jalen Hurts, we've never really seen him play in that kind of extreme weather before. We don't really know what to expect from him in that kind of a situation. We've seen Tom Brady play in some extreme weather, most of it cold weather um, and, and cold, wet, rainy, snowy weather. But um, what is your take on if it is raining, if there is a steady rain going, and I think I saw at one point they could have like a quarter inch of rainfall during the course of the game on Sunday afternoon. Do you do you think it favors one team over the other? I mean, I don't necessarily think it, it favors one over the other. I think that you're in a situation where, I guess, the Bucks defense, you could pin your ears back even more and, you know, you know that the Eagles want to run the ball as it is, but then maybe a, a sloppy situation that takes away the passing game even more. And I think you could be in a situation where you could kind of, you know, just go all out to try and stuff that run and in, in a sloppy game. Kind I think that the key to, if you're the Bucks, if you're in a playoff game and you're playing, you know, Jalen Hurts versus Tom Brady, obviously Tom Brady has the edge there, but you're looking at a team that is very good at running the football. I think your defensive game plan is to go all out to stopping the run, to force Jalen Hurts to beat you with his arm. And if he does, if he has a, a huge breakout game throwing the football in sloppy weather, more power to him. <laughs> you tip, uh, you uh, tip your hat, yeah. <laughs> a, 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 a star is born. But right. <laughs> I think that I, I don't I don't necessarily think that one is one is favored over the other. I think you probably have to lean towards the Bucks, even though their style of the play they like to throw the ball more. But mm-hmm. having a veteran guy like Tom Brady and if like I said, getting Leonard Fournette back, the Bucks can run the football when they decide that's that's what they want to do as well. So mm-hmm. I guess I maybe I lean Bucks, but to be honest, I don't think that the rain changes the game in a huge way unless we see the rain lead to you know some interceptions or turnovers because if that does happen to the Bucks, obviously in a situation where you're a pretty big underdog in the playoffs something we don't typically see which the Eagles are that gives them you know more momentum yeah. towards a towards a possible upset 
Yeah, a lot of times if you're a big underdog, you need something unexpected to kind of break your way, and weather can certainly be one of those things. Uh, I'll note the one other thing, and when we're talking about matchups, we don't often look at special teams, and we don't often look at the kicking game. As I'm looking at these two kickers, Jake Elliott made more than 90% of his field goals this year, probably should have made the Pro Bowl. You could make an argument he could have been a first or second team all-pro kicker, and the Eagles don't kick a ton of field goals because they, they are relatively aggressive. I, the, Nick Sirianni was more middle of the pack in terms of going for it versus kicking field goals. But uh, I, I think in a, in, in a playoff game, especially if you need a field goal late to give yourself a, a two-score lead or if it's tied late and, and you need a late field goal, Jake Elliott has the Super Bowl winning experience. He, he's having a tr- his best year as a pro. And then you look at Tampa's Ryan Suckup, who... His longest kick is 48 yards, and he's missed three of his 10 field goals between 40 and 49. He's missed three extra points this year. I know it's a silly thing because we, we talk about, you know, it usually comes down to the quarterbacks and the schemes and the running game and the passing game and all this, but in a playoff game, sometimes a field goal makes all the difference. What's your confidence level in your kicker, Ryan Suckup? Let me ask you this. Are you familiar with the Bucks' history at kicker <laughs> over the past decade or so? Yeah, they've they had some good, some bad. I remember Martin Gramatica was was he with Tampa when he hurt himself celebrating a field goal, or was that was that was actually that was Arizona? actually his that was actually his brother Martin. Tore, that's it, right. It was, that's it right. was Bill who who tore his ACL celebrating okay, celebrating with the celebrating with the the Arizona Cardinals. But yes, Martin Gramatica was the kicker when they yeah. won when they won their first Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl thirty seven back right. in two thousand and three. But no, with Roberto Aguayo and you know the the history that they've had. Kyle Brinza, they've had a horrible history with kickers, and then they bring in a former Mr. Irrelevant and Ryan Suckup last year, and he fixes the kicking curse. That was a constant thing. That was, you know, a topic on Tampa Bay Sports Radio. You know, they have a kicking curse. I mean, Matt Gay, who they drafted, uh, didn't work out after like one season. Now he's kicking for the Rams. Yes, it's been a little bit wishy-washy with with Suckup, but compared to what the Bucks have had over the past decade or so I'm still I'm still confident in uh in Ryan Suckup to kick a game winner if he has to I mean look back first week of the season uh against the uh Dallas Cowboys he he made it when it was all on the line there that's right. All right, well, real quick, last thing for you here, Trey. Uh, I'm, I imagine you're feeling pretty confident heading into this game. If I were a Tampa fan, I would be feeling pretty confident too. Uh, the Bucks at last check, I think we're still favored by eight and a half points in this one. How are you guys feeling? What's your prediction for a Sunday afternoon in Tampa? I'm going Bucks 28-17. I'm not discounting the possibility of uh, of an upset, especially if Jalen Hurts has a breakout game, like I said, and I might even, you know, shrink that gap in the final score that I'm calling for if Levante David doesn't play. But I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that we could be other than the Eagles offensive game plan, maybe looking a little different in terms of, you know, the closeness of the game, even though the, the Thursday night football game early in the season ended up being a six point game. The Bucks seem to be in control for most of that game. I think we're kind of looking at a somewhat similar outcome on Sunday afternoon. It's a fair prediction. I think it. I, I think there's a uh, obviously more more folks than. Uh, we'll be picking that side, then we'll be picking the Eagles side. Uh, that's for sure if you're looking at this game objectively. But, folks, make sure you're checking out everything about the Tampa Bay Bucks heading into this game by going over to BucksNation.com and check out the Bucks Nation podcast hosted by Trey Downey. Follow him on Twitter, again, at TD Experience. Trey, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. 
When we come back, I'm going to give you my NFL playoff quarterback rankings, some other Eagles versus Buccaneers postseason notes, and I'll give you some reasons why I think the Eagles can win, reasons why the Bucks can win. We'll make some predictions for Wild Card Weekend and take a look back and remember the last time these two teams met in the postseason. We'll do all that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So as we take a look at this game, and as we take a look at all these games in the playoffs, so much of these games in the postseason come down to the quarterback. We, we see it year after year, right? The quarterback is the heartbeat. It's the rarity when a team is able to overcome a substandard quarterback and have postseason success. Usually, if a team wins, it's because their quarterback is very good. And thinking about Jalen Hurts here in his first full season, I think we're all leaving this season, and obviously things could change after Sunday, but at the end of the regular season here, we have a pretty good feeling about Jalen Hurts. I don't know that anyone or everyone is convinced that he's the franchise quarterback for good, but certainly I think he has shown enough to make you feel good about him being the starting quarterback next year, that the Eagles don't need to and shouldn't go after a quarterback this offseason, but where does he rank among the NFL signal callers. And here's my little rundown of who I think uh, this is uh, the top 14 quarterbacks here in the NFL playoffs. I have Tom Brady at number one, and the, and the Eagles are going to go in this Sunday afternoon and play the best football player who's ever lived, Tom Brady. And he's still, in his early 40s, the best quarterback in the NFL, better than number two, Patrick Mahomes. But, of course, Mahomes has a Super Bowl title under his belt. He went to the Super Bowl last year against Brady. I think... You could very easily see a rematch there this year. Of course, number three on the list, Aaron Rodgers will have something to say about that as the NFC's number one seed. I'll say this about Aaron Rodgers. They find a way in the playoffs to lose every year. He should have beaten Tampa Bay last year. The Green Bay Packers should have beaten Tampa Bay last year, but they didn't. And that happens to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers every year in the postseason. The last time they've gotten... To a super, think about the last time Aaron Rodgers was in a Super Bowl. It was following the 2010 season. Think about that. Following the 2010 season, that was 11 years ago. 11 years ago since Aaron Rodgers was and the Green Bay Packers were last in the Super Bowl. In 2011, remember, they went 15 and 1 and then lost in the divisional round. The following year, they went 11 and 5 in 2012 and lost in the divisional round. In 2013, they went 8, 7 and 1, lost in the wild card. The following year, they went 10 and 6, lost in the divisional round. The, uh, in 2016, they went 10 and 6, lost in the NFC conference game again, the NFC championship game again. In 2017 and 2018, they missed the playoffs. And then in 2019 and 2020, the last two years, they have lost in the NFC championship game in both of those seasons. So they've gotten to the NFC championship game. In four of the last, in four of the last eight years, so they they can get to the NFC Championship game, but you know we don't talk about them like we do the Eagles, always falling short in the NFC Championship game, and that's because Aaron Rodgers did get to a Super Bowl, he did win a Super Bowl, but that's the last time they have played in a Super Bowl, was when they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers following the 2010 season. And beat the Eagles in the playoffs, by the by the way, to get up to, to get there. So I, I just this is what happens to Aaron Rodgers. He always fails to make it through the NFC playoffs. And I'm not picking I'm not picking the Packers to, to go to the Super Bowl for that very reason. Okay. Aaron Rodgers still though, the number three quarterback in the playoffs. The number four quarterback, Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm all on board, man. Between 
Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and all the other weapons they have in Cincinnati, that is a team on the rise, provided he doesn't get injured at some point. Um, Joe Burrow is a rising star in the AFC, and he is the fourth-best quarterback in the playoffs. I have him ahead of Josh Allen, who I like a lot. Josh Allen's a really good quarterback, and and maybe Allen should be higher than Burrow based on uh, past experience, but... Josh Allen is a young quarterback as well. And I just think, for whatever reason, I still feel Allen is a little bit erratic. And maybe Burrow is too. But uh, at the moment, I have Burrow ahead of Allen, and I'm probably I'm probably off base on that one. But I'm going to keep them where I have them because I just I, I see what Burrow has done these last couple of weeks. And uh, Josh Allen is special too. So it's, it's pretty close there. If you flip-flop them, I, I wouldn't have any argument with you. But I've got Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, Burrow, Allen as the top five. Then I got Matthew Stafford at number six. I have Dak Prescott at number seven. Ryan Tannehill of the Titans at number eight. Derek Carr of the Raiders at number nine. And he's a guy who could have a sneaky good playoffs and take the Raiders on a run. Uh, I like Derek Carr. He's kind of one of those guys who's figuring it out a little bit later in his career. Kyler Murray is at number 10, and he is a guy also who could take off. Earlier in the season, I think we had him as a top five guy. We were talking about him as a possible MVP candidate, and then the Cardinals started to falter as Murray was dealing with injuries. And so I think the jury is still out on Kyler Murray a little bit. So I have him as the number 10 quarterback in the playoffs, followed by the Patriots' Mac Jones. And then I have Jalen Hurts at number 12 as the third-to-last quarterback in the field. And really what you need a quarterback to do primarily is to pass the football, and that is still not Jalen Hurts' strength. But he makes up for it somewhat by being able to run the football, and that's where the Eagles' identity is right now. But for him to move up this list over the next few years, he's going to have to show that he can throw the football and win some games with his arm from time to time. And we'll see if maybe he's able to do that in the postseason. And then I have Jimmy Garoppolo at number 13, and finally Ben Roethlisberger, who is on his last legs but is a Hall of Famer, obviously, at number 14. Some things to consider regarding Jalen Hurts. In 2021, he had 106 explosive plays, which was fourth most among all quarterbacks, trailing only Brady and Justin Herbert with 111 and Allen with 109. And of course, an explosive play for a quarterback is 16 or more yard completions and 10 or more yard rushes. And so Jalen Hurts, despite being number 12 on this list, is one of the best in the business at explosive plays, and so they're going to need some of those on Sunday afternoon. Some other Eagles versus Bucks postseason notes. This will be, of course, the third time the Eagles have faced Brady in the postseason. The other two times were in the Super Bowls. Um, the uh, Brady, of course, beat the Eagles in Super Bowl 39 after the 2004 season in Jacksonville, and then, of course, the Eagles beat Brady in Super Bowl 50, uh, 51 in Minneapolis with their 41 to 33 win over the Patriots. This will be the fifth time, of course, that the Eagles and Buccaneers will meet in the postseason, but it'll be their first meeting since 2002. When the Buccaneers, who came into the game as four-point underdogs in the final game ever played at Veterans Stadium, shocked us all by upsetting the Eagles 27-10 to in the NFC Championship game. I've said this before for anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while. I was at this game. And it is still the most traumatic sports event I've ever been a part of. It is the worst loss in franchise history. And people were asking me today as I was talking about it on Twitter a little bit, why wasn't, why wasn't the Panthers game just as bad? And there's a number of different factors here. 
you have to remember this scenario and everything that was going on emotionally with that game and how that game started and how it all played out. And I rewatched it this week because I want to kind of exercise some of the demons from that 2002 game. I've never watched it again. I've never watched outside of the Brian Mitchell kickoff return and Deuce Daly's opening touchdown. I have to, I've always had to stop watching it at that point because it's too painful. It was a painful game. I remember being in the set and we were in the 600 level and watching the Eagles jump out to the, you have to understand the emotions in, in the parking lot. So you're we're there. They just beat. You no, know, Donovan McNabb had gotten injured, uh, and then and then uh, uh, Coy Detmer gets injured, and so AJ Feely takes them through the last three or four games of the season and gets them the number one seed in the NFC. They get home field advantage. Donovan McNabb, who had played on a broken ankle and thrown four touchdowns against the Cardinals on a broken ankle, comes back and leads the team to a pretty convincing win over the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC divisional round. And so the Buccaneers come to town. Right, The Buccaneers had never won in cold weather before. The Buccaneers had come to Philadelphia for a playoff game the previous two seasons in the wild card round, and the Eagles handled them pretty easily in both games. Uh, in the in the first uh, in 2000, it was a little bit closer. In 2001, it was more of a runaway as the Eagles really just put pressure on the Buccaneers to the point where they folded. So the, the feeling was that the Buccaneers couldn't come into Veterans Stadium and beat Andy Reid's Eagles. Now, those previous two iterations were coached by Tony Dungy. After the game in 2001, the Buccaneers fired Tony Dungy and hired John Gruden, the former Eagles offensive coordinator under Ray Rhodes. But we still felt invincible. It felt like it was... It felt like it was destined for the Eagles to go to the playoffs. They had been building. They had been building. They had made it to the NFC Championship game as a road team the year before, losing to the Rams in St. Louis at that time. And then they come into Veterans Stadium hosting the NFC Championship game in the final game ever at Veterans Stadium. So you have all of that recent history against the Buccaneers coming into the game, and it just it felt it felt. You know how a lot of you felt. After the NFC Championship game in 2017, when you felt like there was no way the Eagles were going to lose to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, that's the reason I never felt that confident is because of 2002. And actually, it was January 2003. But but the the NFC Championship game following the 2002 season, because I had that confidence, I knew we were going to beat the Buccaneers in that game, and they didn't. They got off the, you know, Brian Mitchell uh, returns the opening kickoff 75 yards. Deuce Staley, second offensive play of the game, runs it in for a 7-0 lead. I have never in my life heard anything as as noisy and loud as Veterans Stadium rocking after Deuce Staley scored that touchdown. And then to watch it slip away. It just slowly slipped away. Brad Johnson and his raggedy arm kept hitting these little dinky dunk passes the little West Coast offense, John Gruden was was masterful in picking apart the Eagles' defense, um, getting after Jim Johnson's blitz schemes, and Donovan McNabb had the worst game of his career that day. He was strip-sacked twice, even before the Rondé Barber interception return. They had chances. If Donovan McNabb is even somewhat effective in that game, the Eagles win that game. But Donovan McNabb played a horrible game. He was jittery. You could see his feet moving in the pocket. Um... He looked like he was unsettled, and that's why the Eagles lost that game. Donovan McNabb, who I love, I think Donovan McNabb gets a bad rap, but that's the reason they lost that game. Donovan McNabb 
picked a bad time to have the worst game of his career. And then, so why is that different from the Panthers game the year after that? Well, McNabb got hurt in the Panthers game. Remember, that was a, that was a season where the Eagles started off really slowly. Their season was saved by a, by a Brian Westbrook punt return for a touchdown against the Giants. They went on a long winning streak, but then they needed a 4th and 26 miracle against the Packers in the divisional round to survive that game. And so they came into the game against the Panthers with Brian Westbrook hurt, and then Donovan McNabb gets hurt. There was no feeling of invincibility. That game, when it ended, was more a sense of anger. We were just angry at the performance and how the Eagles and how the Eagles did. And then it started to you started to worry about a curse. Whereas the Tampa Bay game was was a shock to the gut. It was demoralizing. It shook you to your core as an Eagles fan. The Panthers game just made you mad. Just made you really mad. And that was the difference between those two between those two games. But that's the last time these two teams have met in the playoffs. That game in 2002, or after the 2002 season, when the Buccaneers went in and beat the Eagles 27-10 in the final game ever at the Vet. The first game was when the Buccaneers beat the Eagles. The last time the Eagles played a playoff game in Tampa was the Buccaneers' first ever playoff game in 1979 at Tampa Stadium, where the Buccaneers beat the Eagles 24-17. It was the first postseason win in Bucs history. Um, it, was, uh, it was a situation where, really, in that game, the Buccaneers dominated most of it. Uh, the Eagles made it close and made it look close late, but it was 24-10 in the fourth quarter. That game was never really in doubt as the Buccaneers just dominated the Eagles and Dick Vermeil's squad in that game. The Eagles, of course, would do much better the following year, getting all the way to the Super Bowl. In franchise history, the Eagles are 7-13 and in road playoff games, although they did win two road playoff games in 2008 against the Vikings and the Giants. They beat the Bears at Soldier Field in a wild card game in 2018. We'll remember the double-doink game, of course. From 1950 through 2000, the Eagles did not win road playoff games. In fact, they only won one road playoff game in that half-century stretch, and that was in 1992 against the Saints in New Orleans, the only playoff game Randall Cunningham ever won as an Eagle. Great game, by the way. The Eagles are one of only seven teams with at least four playoff appearances since 2017. The Bills, Chiefs, Rams, Patriots, Saints, and Titans are the others. And Nick Sirianni became just the third coach in Eagles history to make the postseason in his first year with the team. He's the second rookie coach ever to do it after starting 2-5. and five. His former boss, Frank Reich, in 2018 was the only other. Going back to 1995, the Eagles have made the playoffs 16 times. Only the Patriots, who've done it 21 times. The Packers, who've done it 20 times. The Colts, who've done it 18 times. And the Steelers, 17 times, have more playoff appearances than the Eagles 16 since 1995. Let's just say the Eagles have been a relevant football team since Jeff Lurie took over as owner. All right. As we are breaking this thing down, reasons the Eagles... Well, I'll get to this in a second. Reason the Eagles can win and the Bucks can win. Let's go through the wildcard weekend, and let me give you my predictions. Raiders at the Bengals. This will be the first game of the weekend played on Saturday. I mentioned a minute ago, I love Joe, Joe Burrow. What he has done in these two games, the Bengals absolutely had to have eight touchdowns in his last two games. And I watched the game uh, against the Ravens where he just poured it on through... Oh, was it, how many touchdowns did he throw? Did he throw seven touchdowns and five touchdowns in that game, I think it was, and uh, threw for over 500 yards. He was just a machine. I don't know why they kept letting him throw. I was worried he was going to get hurt or injured or whatever, but that Bengals offense is for real. 
playing at home. I like their I like their chances to win that game against the Raiders. I think the Raiders, and obviously they beat the Eagles up pretty good. Derek Carr had a very good season. I'm still not sure exactly how good Derek Carr is, but if he can go into Cincinnati and beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals, then he will have made a believer out of me. And I like what the Raiders are doing right now. Uh, since John Gruden left, they look like a, a fun, spunky team. And so uh, I'll take the Bengals over the Raiders in that one, though, because I just feel like Joe Burrow and the Bengals have too much momentum going. Patriots at the Bills. Man, I want to take the Bills. I really do. I want to believe. I don't know what it is about the Bills and Josh Allen that keeps making me hit the break. But I do. I keep hitting the brakes when I think about the Bills going on a sustained run of excellence. And I know it's going to be really nasty cold weather. I know Mac Jones is not a great cold weather quarterback, or at least he's never had to play in much cold weather. But Bill Belichick, man, he just knows how to win in these types of situations. I think the Patriots are going to go into Buffalo and upset the Bills. I've got the Patriots winning that game on Saturday night. Okay, we'll get to Eagles Bucks in just a minute. 49ers at Cowboys. I would love a 49ers upset. Before the season, my Super Bowl prediction was 49ers over the Titans in the Super Bowl. I guess if I wasn't a coward, I should probably stick with it. And you know what? I Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm changing this on the fly. When I submitted my, and I'll stick with this, you know, for Bleeding Green Nation. When I submitted my picks for Bleeding Green Nation, I picked the Cowboys. And that's fine. Because I do feel like the Cowboys are the better team. Uh, they're playing at home. I think Dak Prescott and the offense is is going to figure some things out. And I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I don't I don't think much of what he does for a living. Um, nevertheless, I think the Cowboys are. I think it is possible they get upset because the offense has not played very well recently. Um, Dak Prescott since since he got hurt has not been his normal self, aside from lighting up a bunch of second and third string uh, Eagles players. And I think it just kind of says a little something that the Cowboys felt like they needed to beat up on the Eagles' backups in order to feel good about themselves heading into this postseason game against the 49ers. But for the most part, because during the preseason, I picked the 49ers and the Titans, who are the number one seed in the AFC, to go to the Super Bowl, I'll stick with it. And I'll pick the 49ers to upset the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon in the 4 o'clock and the 4 o'clock window. And then for the Sunday night game, Steelers at Chiefs. I don't think this one will be particularly close. The Steelers luck their way into the playoffs. I've got the Chiefs running away with that game. Uh, I don't think it'll be particularly close. And then in the game on Monday night, by the way, a Monday night wildcard game is stupid. The NFL should get rid of this. It's dumb. Make it go away. The Cardinals at the Rams. The Rams have played better than the Cardinals down the stretch. They overtook them in the NFC West, got the higher wild card, so they are the higher seed. That's why they get the home game. I'm not sold on either team. I I think the Rams are, again, probably the better team, but, you know, the Cardinals were really good at the start of the season. And there's always some upsets along the way here in the playoffs. And I know I'm picking the Patriots over the Bills, and I'm picking the 49ers over the Cowboys. I'm not a big Sean McVay guy. I think he's a good coach, but I don't think he's going to win this week. I don't think Matthew Stafford and the Rams are going to take this one. I think the Cardinals are going to surprise everybody, capture a little bit of that magic, and I think they're going to go into Los Angeles and upset the Rams and move on to the NFC Divisional Round. So my wild card predictions, Bengals 
over the Raiders, Patriots over the Bills, Niners over the Cowboys, Chiefs over the Steelers, and Cardinals beating the Rams. And then finally for the Eagles and the Buccaneers, you know what? It's payback time. It's payback time for 2002. As I look at these rosters, there are some reasons why the Eagles can win this game. When they played the Bucks back in Week 6, they came back strong in the second half to make it a close game. They completely ignored the running game in the first half of their, of their previous meeting. They were a different football team with a totally different identity. Nick Sirianni at that point still didn't know what he was doing, or at least what he was doing made no sense. The Eagles running backs had nine carries in the game total, one in the first half. Also in that game, the Eagles did not have Lane Johnson or Dallas Goddard that day. And they entered this game on Sunday remarkably healthy overall. We talked about Miles Sanders just a, a few minutes ago. He is going to play on Sunday afternoon, and he's going to get his normal workload. You had Andre Dillard starting at left tackle, and Jordan Mailata was over at right tackle, so the offensive line was in flux that day. And Jalen Hurts has improved as a passer, especially over the last three weeks. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's not an interception machine, so he's not likely to give the Bucks a short field. The Eagles are excellent at explosive plays. They led the NFL in explosive plays this year with 163. They are a good red zone offense. They finished eighth in red zone offense. Tampa Bay's run defense, we talked about it with Trey just a few minutes ago. They have faltered over the last couple of months. They're not the dominant number one unit in the NFL that they had been the previous two years. They are Tampa is without Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, so the question is, can others step up? The Eagles' defense has been better at securing turnovers of their own lately, and I do think they have an edge in the kicking game with Jake Elliott, which could be important in a close playoff game. Now, if you're looking at the reason the Bucs can win, I think you have to look first and foremost at Tom Brady. Second, you look at Tom Brady. And then third, you look at Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> he's, he's that good. I mean, I, it's going to be very difficult, even without Chris Godwin and even without Antonio Brown, it's going to be very difficult for Jonathan Gannon to stop the Buccaneers' offense. They still do have a lot of weapons. They were sh- they, the Eagles' defense has been shredded by tight ends all year, and the Bucs have Gronk and Cameron Brait, as you heard Trey talking about. I don't know how the Eagles match up with those two guys. Leonard Fournette appears ready to return, and he will be a big, a big third-down guy and a guy they look to move the chains. He had a big impact in the game in Week 6. Uh, Mike Evans is still really, really good. Now, Darius Slay is really good also, and that's a key matchup to watch. Can Darius Slay shut down Mike Evans or, or hold him at bay? I think you also have to look at the coaching. And when you look at Bruce Arians, you've got a Super Bowl winning coach with a lot of experience in big games. Nick Sirianni just doesn't have that. My confidence level is is a little bit higher in Jalen Hurts than it is in Nick Sirianni for this game simply because... I think what I think what uh, Brandon and Jimmy were talking about on BGN Radio as a scenario is right, and I think this was, I think it was BLG talking about it. Is that I worry that Nick Sirianni is going to still can try and continue to game plan stuff for Jalen Rager and and try and get touches for for certain guys in certain ways as a, as a way of trying to manufacture production from certain players. When when all what they need to do is play to their strengths and go to their best players, go to their best people. And I'm a little concerned because we've seen it with Nick Sirianni. That's he's he's made some questionable decisions and made some questionable moves, even as the team has gone on winning streaks. the The big concern from this in this game is the Eagles getting off to another slow start. 
this is not a team that's going to come back if they're down 14 points to the Buccaneers and win. If they go into the locker room trailing by 10 at halftime, they're, they're probably not winning this game. The odds are incredibly low because this is not a team that's going to pass their way back into a football game. They cannot allow themselves to get off to a slow start. They got to get three points on the opening drive at least. They've got, you know, I, I've normally I want Nick Sirianni to be aggressive, but if they're at if they've got like a fourth and three from their own 25 or something like that, I almost want them to take the three points if it's on the opening drive. On the opening drive, mind you. Because I feel like if you come out of that, I think it'd be more damaging to come out of that with zero points, to not convert a fourth and three or something like that, than to come out of there with three points in that particular series. I think it just I think you need to set a tone in this game to get points. I want them to be aggressive on fourth down after that. But I think early in the game in the first possession, they they can't they can't hang an L around their neck. You know, they can't give they, they can't do anything to deflate things for themselves. And and you know, I I am a I'm a I'm, I want I want Nick Sirianni to be aggressive and I worry that he won't be aggressive enough, but in this particular case, it's imperative this team gets off to a fast start. That's going to be the key to this game is getting off to a fast start. And I think Bruce Arians has the coaching edge in this one as well. Also, Jonathan Gannon's defense has yet to stop a good quarterback all season. Now they haven't seen a good quarterback in 2 months, but He's, he has to his defense has to show that they can stop a good quarterback and when you're talking about quarterbacks you're not just talking about a good one in Tom Brady you're talking about the greatest who's ever played the game and is who and who is going to win he's not going to win MVP but he'll probably be runner up and is playing at as high a level as he ever has in his career so i say all that and in my mind i know the buccaneers will probably win this game but that's that's not who i'm picking because I th- I want some payback for 2002. After watching that game again this week, I want payback for 2002. I want to do to the Buccaneers in their stadium as the underdog, a much bigger underdog, by the way. I want to do to them in their stadium what they did to us in 2002. And so I'm going to predict that into happening. I'm going to will it into being with this prediction. I think the Eagles shock the world. I think the Eagles don't just beat the Buccaneers. I think they win it handily by the same score. I'm going to go Eagles 27, Tampa Bay 10 as a symbolic gesture. All right? I'm going to will this into being. It's going to happen. The Eagles are going to get their payback on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for what happened in the NFC Championship game after the 2002 season. The Eagles are going to go into Tampa and shock Tom Brady once again and beat the Bucs in the NFC wildcard round, and they will move on to play Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And you heard what I was saying about Aaron Rodgers just a few minutes ago about about how he can't get through the NFC playoffs. Who knows? Who knows what happens after that? You know what I'm saying? All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Trey Downey from Bucks Nation for joining me on the podcast once again. Don't forget to read BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the latest news, notes, rumors on this football team as they take on the Bucs here in the wildcard round. And check out all of the other shows 
shows we have for you here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Go to Apple, Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Tell your friends about the podcast as well. We're also on Spotify and wherever else it is you get your podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. Be